Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. The Knicks get on the board in Las Vegas Summer League, a 94 to 86 victory over the Indiana Pacers and a breakout game for Emmanuel Quickly, Alex. Yeah, surprise game. The Knicks weren't initially supposed to play this game, but it was announced on Sunday that they would pick up an extra one. And it worked out pretty good for them. Quickly with a huge scoring game to lead the Knicks. Obi Toppin continues to play well, even if maybe not quite as good as the first game. Deuce McBride hit double digits off the bench. We got to see Rokas Jokobitis for the first time. So lots of stuff to talk about from this game next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Once again, I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster ready to get into high school football season. Wow, almost the fall. And he's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there and we are talking summer league game two once again a 94 to 86 victory for your new york knicks over the indiana pacers the knicks were paced by emmanuel quickly who scored nearly a point per minute 32 in 33 minutes on the court 11 of 21 shooting four for 12 from distance six for six from the charity stripe eight assists total domination alex emmanuel quickly just looked like he was on a different level than just about everyone else on the court. There, there were little points in the game where him and Chris Duarte were going back and forth. But by and large, quickly, absolutely dominating this game, guiding the Knicks to victory, stemming uh, preemptive questions about his ability to play the point guard position from some of the media. What did you see from him in this, this awesome game? Yeah, should note, too, he's, what, like two years younger than Duarte still, too? So yeah. <laughs> the... The perpetual thing that will follow Duarte around uh, throughout his NBA career that he is like like th- two years older than your average senior prospect uh, coming out of college. So not to say that Duarte didn't have a, a really nice debut as well. But yeah, I mean, I thought they quickly showed off more in this game than the first game. You know, I think the first game it was safe to, I don't know if I would say worry, but at least have some reservations about how quickly played, you know, um, I, and to be clear, I don't think that means reservations about his playmaking ability, because I think if anything, he showed as you know, his playmaking was probably the best thing that he showed off in the first game. Uh, his shot making just wasn't happening. So it was kind of, I mean, I'll call it for what it is. It was, (laughs) it was Mark Berman. We love him to death, but like he, he wrote this piece or at least headlined this piece, uh, basically saying, quickly isn't a point guard. The point guard experiment went terribly, you know, and 
that seemed a little uh, a little out there, a little bit uh, premature because it was basically just a bad shooting game from quickly in the first game. And we saw a better shooting performance in this one, but not just from deep either. It wasn't like he just got super hot from three. He shot four 12 from there. So that's actually not a super high percentage, even though the degree of difficulty on the shots that he was taking from three were pretty high. I mean, he essentially at a certain point just decided like, I'm going to work on these cool, like James Harden esque, uh, uh, pull-up shots and step backs and everything else and you know efficiency be damned I want to get these shots off which is fine because I, I think that that's kind of how you know summer league should be I think that, that guys should be willing to try some new things out and uh, not that that's a super new move for him we saw quickly pull off uh, step backs and pull-ups and everything else in between all throughout his rookie season but Um, yeah, that probably explains his inefficiency from three a little bit, but he did in this game, which he didn't do in the first game, get inside of it and finish around the rim. He did that twice, uh, to my recollection, maybe there was even a third time, but there was one where he just kind of, he kind of just dribbled in like baseline and went to the teeth of the defense. And there were, I think two defenders around him as he was finishing around the rim and he got maybe bumped a little bit, maybe not, um, I don't believe he got a call on it, but uh, he did hit the deck when he was putting the shot up and made the shot in there. And then another time just had a, I actually forget who he was guarding, but had a really nice strip on the, on the perimeter uh, for a steal and then ran that out for a transition layup where he got opposed at the rim too. So I was very happy with his performance just for those two plays alone. I mean, once he starts not relying on the floater as much, he'll turn into a more complete scorer because, you know, the floater, as we saw last year, for that, like, month and a half, two-month stretch was, like, unbeatable. I mean, I think he was shooting, like, 75% on floaters for that that stretch in the somewhat early part of the season. And then it definitely cooled off. And with it, his whole game kind of cooled off because then teams, you know, could smother him a little more at the perimeter, knowing that the best that, you know, he was going to get if he got inside was a floater. And then those weren't going down. So he didn't really have anything to back that up with getting all the way to the rim and and finishing there. So that that's going to be huge for his development if he keeps working on that. I hope as long as he's playing these last three games, I mean, there's there was rightfully, uh, you know, some people kind of saying like, yeah, I think quickly he's basically graduated summer league at this point. Like once you drop, drop a, you know, 32 point game in 33 minutes, you've sort of proved your worth as far as, uh, as far as being a little too good for this level of competition. And I, I think that is probably the case. And, uh, you know, it kind of was the case in the first game too, because had he just made a few more shots, he would have probably been the 25 point territory in the first game as well. Um, but, you know, if he keeps playing, which I presume he will, it seems like he's enjoying his experience and it is his first summer league after all, even though it's his second year. Um, if he keeps playing, I, I think that he needs to keep working on those uh, those opportunities on the inside and all that stuff. But what do you think, Gavin? Like, was there anything that you saw that that I didn't see, like, or pretty much similar stuff? I, I just thought, and granted, you have to give the caveat that it's it's in summer league and it's against far less talented competition. But I, I thought this was the most complete game as a pro I've ever seen him play. I think he excelled in just about every aspect that he 
he possibly could. And it, it wasn't just it, it was the scoring, but it was the diversity of the scoring and the playmaking. Like very first or I guess second possession of the game, he had that lob to Obi. And what we're seeing from IQ is as a passer, at least at this point, he's not always the best like instantaneous decision maker. But when he has time on the ball to sort of plot out what he wants to do, he does have that high basketball IQ and he's, he's very smart about recognizing mismatches and encouraging teammates to leverage them. Like the Obi play, it wasn't that Obi was cutting to the rim. He just had a guard kind of pinned on his hip and an IQ from basically 35 feet away was like, oh, okay, that's that's easy money and just throws the lob over the top, gets Obi a layup. Um, to your point, I love the floater being back and I, I just thought he did some masterful work in the pick and roll with Jericho Sims where his pacing going towards the basket was just so good and he didn't rush anything. And he basically said, I mean, it's, it's sort of the the classic saying, like, just take what the defense gives you. And he was like, all right, if you're going to stick with Jericho, I'm going to keep the defender on my hip. And when I'm five feet away from the basket, a, a little bit further out than you think, I'm going to toss this floater. And there's not really anything you can do about that. Um, beyond it. Uh, I love that. Players literally have to bite on his pump fake 30 feet and in, and it feels like he can get a step anytime he catches it and someone's closing out on him. It's, it's automatic that he's going to get by that guy because you have to you have to go for it because if not, he's just going to drain that three. Uh, the other thing I really liked is the Knicks kind of using him in, in a Steph Curry-esque role where his strength was in, he has that gravity, again, 30 feet and in. And they just kept him moving. Like he had one play in the second quarter where he was driving, sort of gets halfway to the free throw line, soft double team on him, toss out to Obi, and he immediately curls around, handoff back from Obi, three ball from 27 feet, drains it. And it was, I was like, oh, if I, if I blink, I'm watching Steph and Draymond Green run that same action. And, and then a couple of plays later, they, they let him inbound it um, on the right side of the baseline immediately curls in a handoff corner three doesn't make it but I just I love the usage and, and leveraging the fact that Emmanuel quickly is probably one of the 20 or so best shooters on planet earth with, with his ability to do it off of movement and off the dribble I feel like people I, I mean maybe maybe not Knicks fans but maybe just on a national level people underestimate just how good he is from distance and if the Knicks are smart this year they will Fully take advantage of that and and use it to open things up for just about everyone else. Uh, very quickly, I loved all the tangential parts of his game getting going to, to your point, getting all the way around, finishing through traffic and contact. Obviously, the, the move on Duarte where he dropped him, it was a little bit of a push off, was, was pretty gorgeous. Um, the, the final floater that you mentioned was just insane, where like half his body was out of bounds. He had a step back three. He had a step back mid-range, which is, is a shot we really didn't see from him. Last year, he had um, a, a really nice play in pick and roll to get a, another lob to Jericho Sims after, again, leveraging that shooting. He, he, he just flashed every single aspect of, of what makes him good or what could potentially make him really good down the road. And it was, it was thrilling to watch, Alex. I, I, got, I got a real kick out of it, and I'm, I'm hoping it, it's a sign of things to come in the regular season. But that is enough about Emmanuel quickly. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about one of our favorites, Rock Auto? Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? 
about your car and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry and makes them the most money. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or auto dealership? For example, you can buy a Honda Odyssey fuel pump for the family van for $353 from a chain store. It would run you just $216 from rockauto.com. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they're a family business, and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So you know they're going to take care of you and make sure that you get the best price, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a home mechanic, whatever the case may be, they got you covered. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to get something right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, and we're back. Segment two, talking about the Knicks' 94-86 win over the Pacers in their unexpected game two of Summer League. Actually, I don't know if we've paid enough uh, homage to that yet, the fact that the Knicks were not supposed to play this game, uh, but got kind of thrust into it by the fact that Washington had some COVID issues, which should remind everybody COVID is not dead. Uh, COVID's still alive and well. So if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, definitely get vaccinated. Uh, PSA there. And, uh, but they managed to turn around on like less than 24 hours notice and come in and beat the Pacers who hadn't played yet and were probably really excited to get playing and everything else. Granted, they maybe also were a little rusty as a result too, but um, their three-point shots early certainly didn't say that they were rusty. But yeah, shots to the Knicks for for managing to uh, to win this game on such short notice. But Obi Toppin uh, is one guy who, just like quickly, had another really good game. Uh, I would actually argue... It was a decent bit worse than his first game, despite the fact that he did shoot better from three in this one. Uh, three of six from three point from the three point line. Finished with twenty two points, eight of twenty shooting overall, nine rebounds, two assists. Did have five turnovers, which were not undue turnovers. I mean, he had he had a real rough stretch there. I think in like the second quarter, uh, where he threw the ball away like two or three times in a row. Is not his. Not his best stretch. I think he was trying to do a little too much. Like he knew that he could get to the rim pretty much at will in this one. And I think that he was really trying to flex the playmaking muscles a little bit, which again, like what I was talking about with quickly, I, I appreciate when guys try to try new things in summer league. So I was glad to see him sort of cutting to the hoop and, and trying to create for others. But I think he just kind of went a little too far into it and, you know, went got to the point where he kind of went into the paint without a plan a few times, which just doesn't work. You know, that's that's not a thing that you should be doing uh, when you're playing at any level, even if it's just summer league. So, you know, I, I think that he had the right idea a few times, but just didn't execute it properly. But Gavin, I think the big thing for me, and, and I'll throw it to you, is I've noticed and I've seen some people that are better with like, uh, shot doctor type stuff. And like Benji Ritholtz was one that he put up a, 
a little side-by-side of OB taking a corner three during last season and OB taking a corner three in summer league. And I think he showed from game one, but I noticed it even more pronounced than this one. Like OB has definitely worked on his jumper this off season uh, so far. And it's really showing like his base is a lot more sturdy. Like he's taking almost a more wide footed stance, but it's, it's allowing him to have more consistency in his lower body. And I think that's leading to a more, fluid motion all the way through at this point, which seems to be working. I mean, we haven't seen any of the, the huge arcing rainbow air ball, terrible threes uh, so far, I don't think, which were sort of the case with his rookie season. No, Alex, I just, I need to point out, he had the one where it literally bounced off the dude's shoulder and in. Right, I forgot about that. Okay, all right. So one terrible air ball, but that's yeah. But, but, but it went in, so who could blame him? It, it went in, so it worked. Yeah, we'll call that a we'll call that a win. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot that that was off Obi's shot. I do remember that moment now. Yeah, the uh, a Pacers player failed to rebound the ball and it just bounced in. Well, no, um, literally bounced off the guy's chest, then the other guy's shoulder and in. It was yeah, yeah, one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. Just a bizarre, bizarre play. Um, but at any rate, yeah, um, I, I think that his three pointer has just gotten, it looks more smooth right now. Like it's not, he's not doing the Kevin Knox thing where it's touching the ceiling anymore. Like it seems more direct and like he's getting less arc under it, which is good because before he was shooting moonshots. But what have you thought so far, like about his shot? And then I, you know, we can also comment just on his game in general, but that's kind of the thing that's really stood out to me. With him yeah, in his first two summer league games, I, I think it, I think it looks smooth. I mean, especially in the first game when he when he came around that curl and, and hit the baseline shot. That was one. It was I, I know sort of the whole point of summer league is all right. Take your your best young guys and put them in uncomfortable situations and let them try shit because they're not going to get to do that during the regular season. But it was exci- I was excited they even ran that play for him, and then he looked so smooth hitting the shot. And then to your point, his shot from distance. I, I think he just looks more confident. And you can, you can tell just, I mean, obviously, look, the Knicks are, are driving home to him. You need to get up as many threes as humanly possible. But coming off a game where he took, I think, 10 of them, they, they took another six uh, yesterday afternoon, was really exciting. And then the other thing that really excited me about his game was I think his handle is just far, far more coordinated. And last year, there, there weren't really ever multiple moves there. The only thing he really had was that uh, ghost dribble handoff, which he's still pulling off three times a game, which I love, and I think I think eventually teams will, will catch on because it's a it's a pretty simple thing. But maybe maybe that'll work the other way, where, where everyone's assuming that he'll never hand it off, and then you start handing it off to someone like quickly. And with someone like quickly, it's actually a pretty deadly play because you have to almost assume that he's giving it to him because you need to get out there. So that that's that's sort of a fun little two man action that could also work with Kemba Walker. But anyways. Uh, that's still working for him, but just his handle in and of himself seems much more functional. Very early in the game, he had a beautiful little hesitation move where he completely froze his defender. Of course, he ended up blowing the lamp right at the rim, but I, I was I was really really impressed with that. He had another super nice finish, which um, it, it was a it was a great set play um, drawn up uh, by Dice or, or maybe one of the assistant coaches on the Knicks bench where he came around a little curl after a couple of tangential actions and then just kind of bumped into Isaiah Jackson and finished over him, which I was pretty impressed by because we all know Isaiah Jackson, one of the best shot blockers 
in this draft. Had the little coast-to-coast move at the end. Um, after after missing uh, on one of those, he had another one where no one really stopped him. I, I like the confidence just to go up and down the court. Um, and again, he was he was only 40% from the field. The finishing could have been better. He, he had a few different plays, which I, I noted on Twitter, where he missed his initial shot and put it back. And it almost seemed like that was part of the strategy where he's like, oh, if I just get to the rim, I, I'm, I'm going to clean it up even if I miss. And I love the confidence. I was wondering in my mind, is kind of like, does that – translate to the NBA because in summer league he's he's it's it's closer to what it was at Dayton right where he's, he's bigger and stronger and more athletic than everyone else and he can kind of just play like athlete bully ball in the NBA he, he's gonna have to make those first shot attempts because he's not gonna just stand under the rim and, and play volleyball until the ball goes in but overall I'm really really happy with what we've seen from Obeep so far the sheer aggression the fact that to your point the shot looks better the handle looks better. The defense overall still looks pretty good. And I, I know he's going to get a smaller role, or excuse me, not a smaller role, but a similarly small role next season. But I'm excited to see what he what he can do with it. And I think we're going to see a guy who, who looks a little bit more to create his own offense. And I think pretty clearly is trying to turn himself into someone who can be a legitimate perimeter player in the NBA. I, I don't know if he'll ever get to the point, just given his current age, where he can do that in a sense that he could he could be out there essentially as a small forward, which I think would be the next dream, that they could play him, Randall, and a traditional center together. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm almost certain it's not going to happen next year, but I, I think it's fascinating that he's taking his game in that direction and recognizing that I, I, I think we would all agree that's probably the only way he's going to have a meaningful NBA career, but Alex, uh, that that's something that I would ultimately bet on because Obi is a great work ethic and a place where I could put some money down if I if I were so inclined is bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, we are back. Third and final segment on this game two recap of summer league. Uh, we promise this is the last time it'll just be the two of us pending any guest cancellations. We, we have some some special people on the next two episodes. But Alex, for now, let's uh, let's hop around. Who who do you want to talk about next? Uh, why not Jericho Sims? I yeah, mean, definitely. I th- I think he's been the story of summer league so far for the Knicks because out of all the draft picks that they made, he he's uh, all right. Tell me if I'm crazy. Is he maybe looking like the most NBA ready right now? <laughs> I would, I would tend to agree. Though I, I think the Deuce only thing had I'm a good showing in this game. I, so I like, would, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I genuinely, I think it's a harder transition to playing center in the NBA than it is to playing wing, just because the defensive responsibility is so complex. And if you're not really on it, you're just, you're gonna get torched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's certainly he's gonna have an amazing teacher with Mitchell Robinson as long as Mitch is healthy. Uh, and also Nerlens Noel. I mean, so that you couldn't pot- – and Taj Gibson, quite frankly. I mean, you literally could not script it better for having this dude come into a better infrastructure than what he's going to walk into. I, I think that probably what's going to happen in real life here, it, despite the fact that we all kind of want to see Jericho play this year, I think 
what's going to happen is he'll maybe get some minutes here and there with the big club, but by and large, he's probably just going to learn from those three guys this year. And, uh, but all three of them are, are fantastic role models for him for different reasons. I actually think that Taj will probably provide the best blueprint for how Jericho can be like, I mean, if, if you can essentially, if Jericho could turn into like a quicker, more athletic version of Taj and what he brings with just like the strength and guile and everything else out there. We're talking about like a potential starting caliber center uh, with his skill set. But so far, he's been awesome. I mean, another perfect shooting game in this one. So four of four for eight points, nine rebounds, a steal. Um, he did go 0 of 2 at the free throw line for whatever that's worth. So, oh no, he can't shoot free throws. But, um, I just I love watching this kid play like he he didn't quite steal the show to the level that he did in the first game, you know, because in the first game, I think it was just so like unexpected that he became like the must watch feature of the game for me <laughs> in that first one, particularly with quickly, you know, kind of struggling a little bit in that first game and all that. But in this one, I mean, no shortage of the hustle plays, the really impressive like looks that he was making there was one where he like he kicked it out uh uh, um frank barrett 119 on twitter who was tweeting off the strickland account doing like a little a little tweet thread recap noted this one and it it popped to me too where uh jericho got the ball on the inside and then swung it out to obi like across his body with his left hand with just a pinpoint pass and then obi shot it and missed it and from three and then Jericho just corrals the offensive rebound with that same left hand and it just with ease and got like way it covered a lot of ground going outwards from the basket to grab it. Uh, so I was super impressed with him again, you know, just his physical tools are off the charts and it seems like he's further along than we thought, uh, or at least than I thought, you know, again, I, I noted in the first episode, that I really thought that he was going to be way more raw than he is, but it turns out he is 22 years old and has been at this for a while and played it essentially like big man you in Texas, where like the only NBA prospects they seem to put out anymore are just these like freak of nature athlete center prospects uh, between him and Kai Jones this year, uh, Mo Bamba previously in the past. I mean, just uh, it seems like almost every year there's a there's a center prospect coming out of of Texas that's you know going to blow your mind physically for one reason or another. So um, yeah, I, I I've been loving his game so far, Gavin. I I don't know how much more to gush about it because he did so many basically the same things that he did in the first game. I guess we should note like he's ten for ten in summer league now has not missed a shot yet. So we're seeing some of that like Mitchell Robinson esque efficiency where he's not trying to do too much right now. He's literally just like, I know my role. I'm going to finish lobs and stuff. But I mean, there was even one play where he, well, so there was two plays, one where, and this is sort of a Mitch thing too, that happens from time to time. He was going up for a lob and I think he got too high. I think that's the reason he couldn't finish it because he was in good position and it seemed like, it seemed like his takeoff was good, but then, it almost seemed like he got so high up that like he 
couldn't figure out how to get the ball into the hoop without like harming himself. So he had to just kind of like stop himself in midair and drop and then just go up for a quick dunk there. But his second jump looked great there. And then the other make that kind of stood out to me was he got it in traffic and uh, had a couple guys around him and had the discipline to sort of take a quick pump fake and then use his strength to create a little bit of space for himself and finish a nice layup on the inside, which that one is not something that I necessarily would have expected out of like Mitch, for example, early on in his career. Like that wasn't something that he quite had uh, just yet. He's now, you know, now that he's added some strength and stuff, he's gotten better at that. But, you know, that wasn't something he had initially um, coming into the league and in summer league in his first season. So that, that was encouraging too on the offensive end. Um, We didn't see so much of the touch plays here with Jericho that we did in the first game, but, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on him? Like, did you have any new thoughts or was it basically like me where it was just like, oh, this is just an upgrade of the first game where I'm just pleasantly surprised by this kid? Yeah, I think I just I love how patient he is. And this was an affirmation of that. And and they point this out in the broadcast. Like, this is a guy who played four years of college basketball. Like, he should he should have these things down. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, well, why was he the 58th pick if he's this athletic and he does have all these things down? And the fact that he was, I mean, I, I think I said the same thing last broadcast, like he was, he was, he was triple teamed on, on his first catch of the game in this one. And he just threw up like a little pump fake and then, and then just dunked it through traffic. And I, the athleticism is, is impressive to do that through a standstill. But I, I just love that he doesn't panic. And, and, and the other one that really impressed me was he had a catch that was maybe seven, eight feet from the basket. And a lot of times with, with a young big, unless they're, they're really skilled and they have a face-up game. You'll see them sort of freak out, and they're in no man's land. They'll take a dribble or two, pick it up, and just kind of be forced to to chuck it back out behind the arc at the last second. And instead, he caught it, reverse pivoted, and, and he's just so long and, and is able to generate a lot of force off of one foot. He, he turned it into like an extended jump hook. And, and to your point, uh, the touch is is really good, and, and it, it went down. And look, it's it's two games. You don't want to overreact um to anything in particular especially with guys with serious questions because he he was drafted 58th off of what a 80 game sample size of of college basketball like there's there's a reason he went that late but at the same time it it is really exciting the Knicks have had a propensity for a couple of years to come away with at least one steal from every draft uh maybe maybe Sims is that guy in this draft that if it's not Sims it's probably Miles McBride who had another just solid, solid game for the Knicks. 14 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 3 from the free throw line. Early in the game, I was, I was ready to come on the pod and, and be a little bit complainy about him and him and Grimes and just say, you know what, there just isn't a lot of off-the-dribble juice there. And I still think that's true. And I think Sims is – excuse me, not not Sims. I, I think Deuce is, is more is more strong and savvy and – uh, coordinated than he is explosive, athletic, I- insanely high level handle, but he's he's just flat out effective. Like he really, really plays within himself. He doesn't force anything. Him and quickly running a little two man game is really fun to watch. His shot is pretty compact, and it's a little like I don't know if uh, Prez was correcting you when I was describing the shot putty, but. It is a little like pull it back and shoot it, but it, it, it looks good though. It looks like it's very, very repeatable. And to me, like normally this would be an insult, but he really does just play like a football player playing basketball in the best possible way. And you can tell like 
Like you just get the feeling like I, if anyone like in high school, you ever play basketball with the football guys, like you, you just didn't want to guard those dudes because they would just put their shoulder into your chest, shove you under the basket and, uh, and, and like put in like a little double pump or, or even if they weren't that skillful, would just get every single rebound. And that's sort of how I feel about McBride. But on top of that, he has such a good mid range game and he does have clearly like, he is clearly a guy who is also playing basketball his entire life, and he has this very intuitive sense. Uh, like he had this, this beautiful backdoor cut um, that, that Grimes set him up with for a dunk that that essentially sealed the game. He had the little and one lay in to beat a, beat the shot clock buzzer that was also close to the finish line. Just making these these smart, savvy plays whenever he has to. It feels like you're watching a 28 year old playing in summer league. He, he's just that kind of like specimen physically. And has that kind of basketball IQ at this point. So I'm, I'm really, really impressed with him and thinking someone who could contribute for the Knicks sooner rather than later if, if it ends up being necessary. Yeah, I, I felt the same about Deuce and uh, kind of similar to how I felt about Quickly in the sense that the shots just fell in this game. You know, like he made two of three from three finally and, you know, he he showed off the pull off the pull up game uh, showed that really nice cut to kind of ice things. I just thought, you know, there was no huge difference from game one to game two for Deuce, except for the shots fell. And that made all the difference. Like then he was the third leading scorer on the team. And I mean, he, he's really good. Um, I, I very much enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the quick grimy Deuce slide up uh, of <laughs> Quickly, Deuce and and Grimes out there. I thought that they. All right, Alex. They cl- can you can you say quick, grimy Deuce like four times fast? Quick, grimy Deuce. 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 Boom. It's a great uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yeah, I I enjoyed that that lineup quite a bit because I think that I think he and Quickly play pretty well off each other, even if. It, I would worry a little bit that they're they're smidge undersized um, once they get up against NBA competition. So I don't know if we'll see that lineup a ton in the pros, but I also could see a world where Deuce could be playing alongside, you know, potentially Derrick Rose or Kemba Walker too, and that lineup's going to be undersized. So why not? I mean, I think no matter what, the Knicks are going to run into some situations this year where they're going to have to be a bit undersized at the one and two spots. Um, and you know it'll be up to Deuce and that that long wingspan of his to sort of make up for that and potentially guard some two guards. And you know, to your point, so far, I mean, he looks like a grown man out there. I think that I think he'll be all right. I think things are going to be good for him. Uh, but I've I've enjoyed watching him play these first two games. Again, I don't have too much to add on how he played, particularly on like the defensive end, because I think that he carried things over a lot from the the first game. So if you're listening to this and haven't listened to our first game recap yet then maybe just check that out uh i figure we could talk briefly though about a guy that we haven't gotten to see yet which is rokas jokubitis made his uh debut maybe squashing my conspiracy theory about the knicks trying to save him for the final three games uh so that he doesn't uh, uh use up his eligibility i guess i mean it's it's kind of weird i don't know he had specifically mentioned in an interview like in one of his pre uh, first game interviews that he has permission from his European club uh, uh, Barcelona to play in three games over here while he's in the summer league. So 
I think that's why he didn't play in the first game. Maybe we'll see. I mean, if he misses Wednesday's game, for example, and then plays the back-to-back on Friday and Saturday, then that would, I guess, kind of confirm my conspiracy theory, too, that the Knicks are trying to, like, stretch out the time that they can have him for practice and stuff to take a look at him. But I, I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. I thought, though, um, it was it was a little rough for him, particularly at first, although I think he got better as the game went on, although still not fantastic. Like, he's a guy that, th- despite the fact that he was taken before Deuce, like, definitely is not as ready for the NBA. Like, I'm, I'm very happy that he's going to be spending a year, maybe two years, in Europe before coming over, playing at a high level over there, because he had made a comment also in those those pre uh, game one remarks that the game runs fast over here compared to what he's used to. Like it, it sounded like his like processing speed just isn't quite there yet, and that kind of showed. Um, I think that it, he just he looked like everything was happening a half second faster than he was thinking it. If if that makes sense, like he was. Uh, just a little slow every time that he got the ball, particularly in the first half when he got in where it was just like he would get the ball and then he would go to make a dribble move, but the defender already knew what he was going to do and he would get walled off. And despite being a point guard that, you know, in a vacuum should be able to break down a defense or at least just get a few dribbles off and kind of start setting things up. It seemed like he was almost like, uh, (laughs) I don't want to quite use the analogy, but it was almost like, like Reggie Bullock in a way, you know, last year in the sense that like he just he couldn't really dribble, you know, he couldn't he couldn't get anything going if he had to move. Um, and he's he also is not like a uh, knockdown, you know, spot up shooter or something either, at least not that we know of yet. Um, so, you know, his his game was sort of predicated on getting moving and he just wasn't able to get moving at first because it seemed like everything was just happening a little too fast for him. Uh, he did sort of get better as the game went on. Like he started being able to create a little more separation. Uh, we saw him make a layup in the uh, second half, I believe, during his during his stint there. And you know, so he he got a couple points, or he got three points, I should say. He also drew two free throws at one point, had an assist and a steal, um, two turnovers. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was a pretty shaky debut for him. I don't know if you have any different opinions on that, Gavin, but I, my main takeaway on on Jacobitis is just I don't think he's ready to go yet. Um, and I don't think he's going to be ready to go for at least another year and maybe even like two, but that's okay. I That's literally why the Knicks drafted him where they did because they don't have a roster spot right now and they would prefer to leave him in Europe and have him develop over there where he's comfortable and then maybe look to bring him over in a few years. So I... I I'm perfectly comfortable with that decision. And I do think, I, you know, I think based off the things that I've seen and heard and whatever about him, that he will eventually at some point, maybe by the time he's like right now, he's 20, maybe by the time he's 21, 22, maybe even 23, be ready to come to the NBA and contribute uh, for the Knicks or potentially for some other team. If they use him as a, a trade chip, you know, to add into a, a deal at some point. But um I think he'll get there eventually. He's just he's just not there yet. Like he definitely needs to start seeing things, seeing basketball at a a faster, higher level. And I think the moving up to the highest level in Europe will definitely help him with that. Yeah, I think I think I'd only push back in the sense that he only played nine minutes, and I think it's it's possible that he was just really really nervous. And this is a guy who's played um, for the unless I'm misremembering the country, the Lithuanian 
national team. Like he, he has, he's played in, in some ways higher level games than some of the guys there. And I hear your point. He looked really, really nervous and, and, and super sped up and, and, and not quite ready for the speed, not quite ready for the processing time. Did have a really nice move um, near the end of his time in the game where he had a little Euro step where he, where he almost like balanced on one foot and, and let his defender kind of fly by him. It was sort of midi, midi Luca esque. Um, but yeah, I'm curious if he, if he has a bounce back game, uh, either, tomorrow or friday against the pistons but i wouldn't i wouldn't totally dismiss the idea that that he might be a little bit more pro ready than we think just just because he he has played in some of those big moments and, and sort of the whole and, and i guess that that'll be really telling i think if, if he continues to look like this the next two games because sort of the whole promise of his game is that this is a guy who's just an exceptionally good decision maker and to your point when that decision making clock gets sped up a little bit if that good decision making goes away, he loses a lot of his value as a player. But I, I think I think we'll know more in a game or two. All right, last guy we wanted to go over was Quentin Grimes, of course, the Knicks top pick, who had another not so great game. Uh, Thirty five minutes, two for ten from the field, two for six from distance. Did have six rebounds, did have four assists, both of which are obviously encouraging. But I don't know, Alex. I think my my biggest frustration with him was that he doesn't have much of an off the dribble game right now like it really feels like three or bust and I thought when the Pacers were separating in the second quarter it was because quickly was was literally I mean occasionally Obi but but basically just quickly was the only guy on the court who could generate an advantage for the Knicks and if it was if it was Deuce and especially if it was Grimes they just sort of catch it see if the shot was there and if not they'd be like all right throw it back to quickly hey man make something happen I need you to go get me a shot and I think my frustration comes into play because I mean this is a guy who is Again, not someone I necessarily watched a ton in college, but I remember was a five-star guard coming out of high school and, and was, was sort of billed as a potential top 10 pick, um, I think in part because of that that juice and that ability to beat his man and, and, and to create, or at least that's what, you're, that's what you're used to, thinking of a five-star prospect coming out of high school at the guard spot. And with Grimes, you're just not really seeing any of that. And he doesn't, I, I mentioned the first game, he looks uncomfortable even, even in the mid-range game. But he's never getting all the way to the rim, even when he, he wins off of a, a little pump fake and, and is able to get that first step. Um, I'm hoping that that changes, or, or maybe we just see him have a game where he shoots 7 of 11 from 3, and you're not even really thinking about that other stuff. And then, look, I do think that's possible. He does have a quick trigger, does have a good-looking shot. I, I think the, the shooting is fluky, and it would be it'd be stupid to be like, oh, he's not as good of a shooter as advertised because he had two slightly cold games in Summer League. But I, I do think if the creation doesn't come around in any meaningful way it, it just means the bar is so so high for him to to be an effective player in that he has to basically be a 40 percent three-point shooter because we see most of the most of the very best shooters in the nba they have a second trick and if they don't they're there's someone like duncan robinson who's just so good that it, it really it doesn't matter all that much and, and is able to leverage their shooting into little pockets of space and, and take advantage of it so We'll be, we'll be fascinating to see that from Grimes going forward. But so far, I would say the one guy who's a little bit of a disappointment, as much as anyone can be a disappointment in, in the small sample size of two summer league games. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say so too to a degree, though. I think it's really just a matter of the shots need to start falling for him. Like, I think we'd be having a much different discussion if he had shot, like, say, four of six from three in this game and had shot, what, it, what was he in the first? He was like two of 10 in the first game or something like that, right? Like, if he had shot, like, four of 10 or something like just made a couple more threes each game. I I think we might be having a different discussion being like, Oh yeah, this guy, this guy might be that 40% three point shooter. And 
I, I do think that he's kind of limited off the dribble right now too, which hopefully he can improve upon. It does look like his handle, at least to me, and I mean, I'm no expert per se in that, but like, it does look like he maybe has enough that if he works on it, he can, he can maybe get to the point where he could abuse that, that pump fake, uh, which I hate to keep using him as an example, but like could get to a level higher than where Reggie Bullock was this year, basically of being able to, you know, if he pump fakes, at least create a little something off of it and maybe get to the inside. I do think that he's shown a pretty good passing ability. So even if he doesn't necessarily get to the point where he feels comfortable getting all the way to the hoop, but can, you know, kick it to somebody who's cutting or kick it out to another shooter, at the three-point line, you know, that's a useful skill too. So even if he breaks the defense down that way and, and the threat of him actually finishing isn't that great, uh, maybe he can at least find ways to look other guys' ways and and get them involved um, via his passing, which I think has looked pretty good so far. Um, but the, the other thing is I do think for what his role is going to be on this team, which I'm increasingly thinking – I don't know that any of these rookies are going to really get a ton of minutes right away. I mean, I even, as much as I hate to say it, like as much as quickly looked like a, like a superstar in this game, I think that even he's going to have a hard time finding a ton of minutes this year playing behind uh, Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, Evan Fournier. I mean, they, their backcourt got crowded in a hurry once they added Kemba Walker um, because that's a guy that you figure ideally they're going to want playing 30 minutes a game if not a little more even, um, considering it's Tibbs, though hopefully not much more than that because you do want to preserve him health-wise. But, um, you know, I I think that it's going to be a a little difficult for Grimes to find minutes, but I do think that when he does find minutes with this team, which he might have the easiest path of the three guys out of Deuce himself and uh, Sims as far as finding playing time, uh, when he does find that time, I, I do think that he is going to benefit a lot from the spacing that guys like Kemba and Randall are going to provide for him uh, and RJ and, you know, all the other very uh, Fournier. I mean, literally, you, you name it, all the various very talented, you know, scoring players that the Knicks have that can break down a defense and can get inside um, and can generate looks for guys on the outside and, and kick out to shooters. I think Grimes will benefit a lot from having wide open looks from that and the spacing that's going to be afforded to him by the NBA level version of the Knicks. So I I think we could, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to bank on it or anything. I don't know if I'm going to hit up betonline.ag and place this, uh, this futures bet that it's going to happen. But yeah, I could see a world where he shoots 40% from three as a rookie um, in limited time. You know, maybe it's on two attempts per game and 10 minutes a game or something, but I could see a world where he shoots 40% and, you know, has a, has a pretty solid rookie year showing from distance and, uh, you know, has something to build on going into his second year. Of course, that's so far away. We're not, we're now 40% through his first summer league regular season. Uh, so there's, there's still a lot of basketball to be played before we're talking about what he's going to look like in his second year. And considering I'm now starting to project that far into the future, Gavin, <laughs> I think maybe that's the perfect opportunity for us to wrap up, unless you had anything else you want to touch on before uh, before we sign off this second summer league recap. No, I think I think that's perfect. Um, I- all I'll say is I'm I'm excited for the uh, next two games, Lakers, and then 
Cade Cunningham and the Pistons will have guests on to recap both. So until then, for Alex Wolf, I'm Gavin Shaw. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. If you're not already, subscribe uh, wherever you are currently listening to this. And and go leave us a five-star review. I I don't say that enough, but we really appreciate it. You can write whatever horrible things you want to about us in the comments. But as long as you give us five stars, we don't really care. All right, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys soon. This was Locked on Knicks. Peace out.